Texas talking oh. What was that that you said Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys This is Austin Police Chief Art Acevedo. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you to this week's Texas Tribune podcast. Although I hope you listen, I promise you I won't, because the men and women of the Austin Police Department, along with myself, are busy keeping the city of Austin, the nation's fastest growing, hippest, most successful city, safe. So enjoy the podcast, and now here's your host. Thank you, Chief. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the final week of October. I'm joined by reporter Jay Root. Hello there. <laughs> Sorry for the Seemed delay. like a little del- <laughs> delay, a delay in programming. This is not the World Series. Uh, reporter Julian Aguilar. Hello. And reporter Aman Bathija. Hello. We are without uh, Evan Smith, who's, uh, you know, gallivanting around I'm in his seat DC. today. It's true. That's uh, why we got through the introduction so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although we're slowing down now. And Ross <laughs> Ramsey has the bubonic plague, so we're keeping him as far away from us as humanly possible. Um, So last week at this time, we were talking about state investigators rolling into Planned Parenthood clinics around the state, saying they were shutting them down over uh, evidence of violations or or taking away their Medicaid dollars, basically. Um, But over the weekend, it seemed like the Office of Inspector General at HHSC um, rolled it back a little bit or said maybe they they weren't as final as they had been before. Amon, what do we know? It's been a very confusing week for <laughs> following this story. For many reasons, not just this story, but <laughs> because the original announcements were, you know, we are shutting, we are kicking parent, Planned Parenthood out of state funding, and then there were, then the state went in and uh, was asking for all this information, and then they kind of walked it all back, or not all of it, but kind of rephrased the story a little bit, and it seems that that original announcement was kind of a legal requirement, and then and that starts an investigation into whether the state should kick Planned Parenthood out of state Medicaid. Right. I mean, it did seem a little premature. They're saying we're stopping the funding, but but the investigation was not complete. I mean, they'd only just sort of started requesting information. Yeah. Stuart Bowen, the head of the Office of Inspector General, told Ross Ramsey that that original letter was kind of required by law and people were making too much of it uh, and that they're going to do an investigation and then they will see whether they can make a final determination that the Planned Parenthood should be kicked out. Mm-hmm. But Greg Abbott's comments make it sound like he's already decided they're out. Well, and what I mean, Greg Abbott's comments were pretty um, bold, right? I mean, and partially they're they're political, obviously, but he's gone on TV. He's talked about it. You know, he was on Fox News talking about it. I mean, what, what has he basically said? That this is a, you know, game over? I mean, I think there was a lot of original coverage from some media, especially national media, that interpreted it as, yes, it's game over. Planned Parenthood is gone from state funding in Texas. Right. Turned out that was not true at all. I mean, I think it seems like we're just waiting for the feds to intervene here in some way, shape or form, because the feds have intervened in, you know, other look, most of this funding, I mean, like 90 percent of this Medicaid funding that we're talking about are are not even state dollars. It's like 300,000 state dollars versus three million federal dollars. So, I mean, I think the question is, like, aren't the feds going to turn around and say, hey, Texas, by the way, you can't do this with our money? Knowing Greg Abbott's history with the feds, I don't think he would mind if they Right, he'd in. probably love it. <laughs> right, I mean, he, you know, Abbott likes to pick his enemies and um, campaign against them, and he typically picks, like, you know, Planned Parenthood or the Dallas County Sheriff or 
Liberals. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was already fundraising off of it. I, although, frankly, I've seen fundraising pitches on both sides. It looked like Abbott was fundraising off of it. Did you see that come across at all from his fundraising team? And Cecile I did see Richards. it from his team, yeah. And Cecile Richards on the Planned Parenthood side was, you know, using it. This has become a major national story this week. I've seen it all over the place, everywhere from, like, you know, Gawker to to Salon to the New York Times blowing it out. Well, and I think that really was from the original wrong reports that Planned Parenthood has been kicked out of the state program when if the, the original report had been Planned Parenthood is being investigated by Texas to possibly kick, be kicked out of the program, I don't think anyone would have jumped on it as much. Right. But the weird part is like the quote unquote wrong report was coming from those same, you know, yeah, from, investigators who then sort of walked it back on Saturday. Yeah, they exaggerated what they were doing. There's no other way around it. Meanwhile, I don't know if any of you saw a new video was released by this undercover group yesterday of uh, of um, Austin folks. It was like an Austin Planned Parenthood official and um, uh, an Austin Whole Woman's Health official. I mean, and the video to me is is stunning largely because of how poised these women who work in these clinics are on camera. They don't know they're on camera, obviously. But they're basically, you know, this video is meant to be gotcha, but these women are saying, you know, no, sorry, we don't do this fetal tissue donation in our clinics. You know, um, you could maybe look at our clinic in Minneapolis or our clinic in Baltimore. But it, if it's supposed to be some kind of... And, and they're talking... So is there a gotcha in the video? Then? Right. I mean, it, you know, and it's these women talking like a little bit crudely about how abortions are performed, but it's not like they're saying anything illegal or trying to agree to, I don't, I mean, the, the fact that the videos are being used as, you know, the whole premise for sort of launching this investigation, you know, is questionable to me. <laughs> were, were they all filmed at the same time or are they like now poised because they know exactly what, you know, people are trying to get after? Well, they didn't know they were being videoed. I mean, they were, or they didn't know they were on ca- camera. They're like, it's like lapel cameras. Right. It's what, it's like the American Phoenix guys. <laughs> right. But even still after like the first, I guess the first wave of the videos were released, I mean, there could be like an internal memo saying, hey, always assume that you're being videotaped. Yeah. Right. It seems to me like all of these were shot around the same time, generally speaking. So, and there's only one clinic in Texas that has ever, uh, you know, that has said that it has done this type of fetal tissue donation in the past. And that's this one in Houston that did it in partnership with the University of Texas medical branch. I mean, you know, it was for a study on miscarriages. So it's just, I don't, this whole dialogue has been really fascinating. I don't think they've convinced anybody to change their position is what it seems to me like. Um, it, you know, people who are against abortion are still against abortion. People right. who are for abortion rights are still for them. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, all right. Well, we talked about Abbott a little bit and this being a politicized debate. Um, Abbott has had a busy week already. On Monday, he was going after uh, the Dallas County Sheriff, Lupe Valdez, over her. Um, I, it sounds like he's calling it a new approach to dealing with undocumented immigrants. What is that approach exactly and why is it so controversial? Well, well, so far, the approach is, is sending a letter that says we will not tolerate it, but there's there was no legislation that pa- passed to affect this. I well, mean, wait, could... we won't tolerate what? So who's Sh- doing what? So uh, Sheriff Lupe Valdez, Dallas County, she announced recently that she was going to determine um, who to turn over to ICE on a case-by-case basis, um, pretty much y- using her own discretion. And why would anybody be turned over to ICE? Because these are... Oh. So these are... Right, so the, the process is if you're in the country legally, if you're undocumented, you get arrested and charged and you get run through the system... Um, to check if you have any immigration violations. You're supposed to alert ICE, and ICE decides, yes, hold this person, depending on a list of you know priorities. Mm-hmm. Are you a very, very bad person? Do we need to use our limited resources to get you out? Are if you not, a medium bad person? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> how, just how convoluted the system is. Uh, so she said, 
Look, I know best. I'm going to decide this on a case-by-case basis. She's since said she she's honored every ICE detainer. But Governor Abbott said, you know, this is um, this is ridiculous. You're, you know, you're not going to do that. You're not going to release people onto the streets that should be incarcerated, should be deported. Of course, he's referencing the Kate Steinle case in San Francisco where a three- or four-time removed undocumented immigrant was released. Uh, even though I said, hold this guy, he's a bad dude, don't let him out, the sheriff of, um, in San Francisco let him out. He ended up getting high, allegedly getting high and killing a 30-year-old woman who was just taking a stroll on the boardwalk. Obviously, everybody knows about this case, but that's fueled this fire. Um, and, but on the, other, on the flip side, the sheriff has since been sued. Uh, the Associated Press reported late last night that she's being sued by somebody that was held um, allegedly for three months for a misdemeanor charge that was eventually tossed. So that's the argument that these county sheriffs have. They're between a rock and a hard place. But um, what Jay and I were talking about earlier is that, you know, Abbott is calling this a sanctuary city. Everybody's jumping on the sanctuary city. We're not jumping on staying on the sanctuary city's bandwagon, I should say. But I think it's important to note that in 2011, sanctuary cities was defined as local governments that don't let you know, local cops enforce immigration laws or ask about status. This is something completely different. This is somebody that's been run through the system, that's uh, been charged um, and will likely be convicted of a serious crime that the sheriffs are um, allegedly letting out. And a lot of folks, I think, even the majority of Democrats, if you explain it to them that way, they might change their tone. But as soon as you say sanctuary cities, both sides kind of bristle up and, and fight against each other. So this is Abbott saying, you know, we're not going to tolerate it. But again, He's saying, I'm not going to call a special session on this. Right. I mean, I am curious, yeah, what his approach is, because he sent this letter basically to Lupe Valdez saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong. It's not basically up to you who to turn over and who not to turn over. Right. right? You know, yet at the same time, it it was unclear what he was calling on her to do. The the politics of this are fascinating because on on the left, you in Austin, for example, in San Antonio, and, and now we see in Dallas, you have the liberal activists who are pressuring their own Democratic elected officials to go easy, go take a softer approach to people who are in jail, undocumented immigrants who are in jail. And then on the other side, on, on the Republican side, you have Tea Party activists, conservatives in the party that are pressuring the governor to call a special session to do something about this immediately. To say the jails don't have discretion right. to go easy on these folks. Correct. And if, and if you look at what Abbott said in his letter and in his press release, every remedy that he came up with would require uh, lawmakers to be in town. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the Joanne Flemings of the world, the Katrina Pearsons of the world, these Tea Party folks are like, why wait? And what's more uh, important than public safety? Um, You have, you know, in some cases you might, you know, for for people who want ICE completely out of the jails, and, and, and you definitely have a very strong movement of largely uh, pro-immigration activists, Democrats, liberal activists who want the county authorities to quit cooperating entirely with ICE. So so if ICE were to, so let's say you had a sex offender, okay? Sex offender gets adjudicated, um, he posts bond, he gets out, whatever. He's out on the street. Um, if ICE wants him, they're going to have to wait outside the jail or just figure out how to get this guy. They, the, the, the authorities in that case would not cooperate with him. And that's exactly what happened in the Steinle case was as Julian said, you, you had a guy who was uh, a, a pretty bad offender. I think he had like seven 
Uh, he had a long, long rap, rap sheet of, of, you know, really bad, either, you know, bad misdemeanors and felonies. And he had been deported at least five times, if not more. But what what I don't understand about this, well, a lot of things I don't understand <laughs> about this, but why don't the counties want to cooperate with the feds on this? And, like, what does federal law say? Like, who, Well, yeah. the, well the, the argument from, from the left or from the, the pro-immigrant rights, you know, or the immigrant rights folks are saying that, ICE policies lead to mass deportation. So ICE is supposed to just concentrate on the worst of the worst, right? And instead they just take it. But with these policies, and there are statistics that show that you have people deported for traffic violations or things like that. I mean, you can argue, if you know you're in the country illegally, pay your damn traffic ticket, right? You know, <laughs> but, you know, but so there, is, there are statistics that show that they're, they're deporting people that according to ICE's guidelines should not be deported. Then you also have the sheriffs that are concerned about you know, constitutional violations, the illegal search and seizure, or keeping these people longer than they should be if they have, a, if they are legally being able to be bonded out. Whereas you get the far right saying, no, I mean, you guys are release, you're releasing murderers and rapists. So there, there, there's no communication on the middle ground. And going back to what you were saying earlier, Emily, about are you a medium offender? Are you a you know, high level? The Obama administration in 2011 sent out the Morton memo, which is a sort of guideline. And I think it's, it's, it's convoluted. I mean, the, the system is so convoluted now. There's no, there should be, you know, a list of five or six things. Did you do this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are then you, you get a rapist? tossed. Are you a murderer? Right. But now yeah. it's like, okay, if, you know, did the person have, does the person have U.S. citizen children? Okay. Then then go to this, you know, sort of. Right. Rubric. Of, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a flow chart. And there's so many things that get lost while you're trying to follow all these different policies, which is why people argue, well, we need immigration reform. But the, the, going back to the Dallas case, the Dallas Morning News, uh, wrote an op-ed um, saying, look, Sheriff, we understand that we need immigration reform. We understand the system is broken. But while we're waiting on that to happen, you shouldn't be making up your own policies because you got, you're making the situation worse has, and you're just like fanning the fire. Has Sheriff Valdez explained what she means by case-by-case no. case basis? Like what she, is what is she that. trying to... Well, she, the, her response thus far, right. and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, is saying that like I have honored every ICE detainer in 2015. I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, this is based on what she's told the Dallas Morning News because right. she's not like out holding press conferences or even her flack is in even answering the phone as far as I can tell. I actually tell. talked to him yesterday oh, because did? I was okay. trying to get her to write a column for Trim Talk, and he said they can't talk because okay. they're under because they're federal charges, right. which must have been what you were talking about. And, yeah. you know, or the lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's – and that and that's – I mean, that's like, that's fair. It's always – right. Know, but it seems kind of convenient also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good know, time. I mean, call, call Paxson's office and say we can't comment because this is pending litigation. I mean, it's, right. you know. It'd be right. so helpful if she could just explain, give us one example of a time when she wants to use right. her discretion because of this reason. Right. But well, according to the morning news, there are no written guidelines mm -hmm. on this. Um, and the thing that's also a little puzzling about it is that um, Barack Obama, Democratic president, <laughs> changed from secure communities, which was uh, pretty controversial. It was started in the Bush administration, but it was the very tail end of the Bush administration. And then Obama comes in and starts deporting a bunch of people, and it became very controversial within Democratic you know, circles. And they uh, basic, he basically took his foot off the gas on deportations, and we went from secure communities, which was basically, if you're in jail and you're undocumented, pretty much you're gone to priority enforcement program, PEP. PEP. Yeah. Exactly, the PEP program. And so the PEP program is supposedly uh, designed to prioritize people. And you know, it, and it, it, 
it's hard to do to write this in stone because for example you might have a sex offender that's pretty easy to think you know we don't want a sex offender we want a sex offender to be deported i mean, I, I think that most people probably do you know um, on the other hand let's say you have a first time dui but it was somebody who had actually re-entered the country after being deported which is a criminal violation what would you do there i mean you know, it, there, some of these things are uh, potentially a little iffy. Um, right. So, um, but but if, if it's good enough for Obama, why isn't it good enough for the Dallas County Sheriff? That's what I kind of don't really understand. And, and maybe it's that they think, well, Obama has set this policy, but in, in practice, maybe it's not being adhered to. I mean, what's the argument? Do you know, Julian? That he said the plus. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the, the argument is that everybody's kind of making up their own rules as they go along, you know. But I mean, going back to what you said, I mean, the president did ramp up, you know, deportations, and then obviously you get election year politics and the DACA DAPA thing. But go, going back to Governor Abbott, he's he's going on these shows and they're asking him, you know, what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I, you know, I made a joke about this old Robin Williams stand up making fun of the cops in London a while back. You know, they don't have guns. He's like, right. stop. Or I'll say stop again. It's like, you know, you're going to write a letter, but what, what exactly, how are you going to enforce this without legislation and without a special session? But then you get the special session and you get, I mean, you even get Republicans that are going to push back on that, as we saw in 2011 and 2015. Well, and also, why is, it this, why is it the Abbott's job to, you know, I mean, why aren't the feds pissed off? Well, okay, so the, 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 the feds are pissed off, actually. Um, I mean, Sarah Saldana, a native Texan who is the head of ICE, uh, in I think it was April, it might have been in the summer, but I, I, I looked at some congressional testimony, and she is, is in front of, you know, a Republican uh, congressman saying, you know, we want these communities to cooperate with us. Right. And she said that there are 200 and something so-called sanctuary locations. A lot of them actually are in California and not in Texas. What we're seeing in Texas, this is what's so fascinating about this. This is new. What the Dallas County Sheriff is doing, what the commissioner's court and groups in Austin want Travis County to do, what people in Bear County want the Bear County authorities to do. This is all new. It's happening in Texas now. Um, but um, but Sarah Saldana gets up there and says, you know, we want uh, these communities to cooperate with us. And this is a Democratic administration. And so right. but, but you basically have Democrats fighting with Democrats over this because they're going they, they want them to go softer. And you have Republicans fighting with Republicans over this because they want them to, to do go quicker harder. and right. faster. And of course, since the sanctuary cities bill in Washington failed, it failed in the U.S. Senate. It, it, it you know, got filibustered. Um, the pressure on Abbott has increased not only on sanctuary cities legislation and again, as Julian pointed out, we're talking about the jail part of the sanctuary cities, not the issue of stopping people. Right. 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 I mean, largely about... these are like sheriff's departments. These right. aren't even right. like police officers. Yeah, you, right. take, you take the, the sort of the racial profiling fear out of it, which going back to the right. 2011 would give a local cop saying, hey, I'm going to pull you over because I think, which a lot yeah. of people thought was bullshit. You know, I mean, racial profiling right. its yeah. best. But this is like Jason. This, I mean, these people are in the jails already. They did something right. to get them these there. These are people who there is. Right. A, now, have these people been convicted not, or, or are they just being held? See, that's, I mean, that's that, the other that, question, that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, right. I think that's some of the apprehension. You know, that that's where the apprehension, you know, begins in the, at the local level, like from the sheriffs. Like, well, 
this person has been convicted. I can't I can't hold them longer than I'm legally allowed to do. Well, and like, what if you haven't really done it? So then, I mean, so let's say you get hand. Let's say you're, you know, they believe that you robbed a bank and you get handed over to ICE in that 48 hour window or whatever it is, and you didn't really do it. But you know, by that point, you've have you already been deported? I mean, but, but I mean, but is are you going to have a lot of sympathy for being deported? You know, from from law abiding people. It's, I mean, if you were in the country illegally, whether you committed a crime or not. You've already committed a crime. You've already right. committed a crime. Well, I mean, right. you know, it's a, the civil yeah. criminal offense, all that, you know, jargon. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, if if you're accused of doing something that you didn't do, but you're in the country illegally and you get deported, right. I mean, a lot of people say, well, hey, man, sorry. But if we let the falsely accused bank robber, if we send the falsely accused right. bank robber home and we let the guy who had a DUI right. but is here illegally stay, you know, right, like where's right. the parody in that? Boy, this is complicated. But it's also, <laughs> e, you know, E-Verify is another issue that uh, a lot of the activists want Abbott to take up. And Abbott has punted on that issue, basically. He punted to Ken Paxton right. and said, you know, because Rick Perry sort of left him a little gift, so to speak, uh, of the E-Verify executive order. And rather than interpret it himself or rewrite it himself Abbott, about whether or not it applied to government contractors, Abbott sent it over to Paxton. And so some of the activists are telling us, you know, we why didn't he just do his own executive order and apply it to contractors? Mm-hmm. And again, E-Verify is where you basically have to prove that you're in the country legally and can work and have mm-hmm. work papers. I think whether he knew it or not, the G- Governor Perry actually left Abbott a challenge because yeah. it was written in that executive order. My order stands until another governor rescinds this order. Mm-hmm. Governor Abbott could have said, hey, I'm going with, with Senator Shortner's bill that's E-Verify only for state agencies, or I'm going to go with Governor Perry's at state agencies and private contractors. But going back to Abbott's campaign literature, he didn't want to do the private contractors because it's, you know, government intrusion into the private sector. But a lot of people on the right say, hey, that's a magnet, you know. Mm-hmm. So are well, we going to see a special session on this? I mean, it doesn't sound two, like... Two days ago, the governor's office said, uh, two days ago would be um, Monday, the governor's office said, no, he just he's gonna, he wants he wants to keep this fresh in people's minds. He wants to address it in 2017 again, which means it'll be probably two years before you would practic- right. practically speaking before you would get any right. of this sanctuary cities legislation that he wants because it wouldn't take effect until like September of 2017. So I think that the the activists are really want something to happen on this. Mm-hmm. And so I think the pressure on Abbott's going to keep mounting. Oh, yeah. Well, Dan Patrick's on the same page with Abbott. He said... He gave him an, a little bit of a, an out. Right. <laughs> right. He yeah. said he was going to request that Abbott make it an emergency item in the next right. session. Right. So right. pointedly saying, I'm not going to ask for a special Yeah, more item. than a year. So more than a year until they even start discussing it, mm-hmm. unless right. they have, you know, make it an interim charge in the meantime and they start discussing it. But you're right. I mean, this yeah. is, we're looking at two years. This is a hot, yeah. hot, hot issue. But, it yeah, really exactly. is. Yeah. I mean, it's the number one issue. You look at the polls in the Republican uh, presidential field, it's the number one issue. Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, Abbott is saying, look, you can't do this. We're going to stop it. And in 14 months, we're going to think about it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the first yeah, time that they gavel back in. and can, Obviously, it'll be an emergency session. They can pass it before the 60 days. But that's unless there's a special session or some sort of executive order mm-hmm. that Abbott issues. Well, this is particularly timely because on Monday, uh, the Tribune is launching a, a really cool crowdfunding campaign around a year-long investigative project uh, around uh, border security and immigration issues uh, really right up this alley. So we hope that you'll check that out. Uh, All right. Well, that's a lot of red meat for the Texas governor this week, uh, which brings me to our next topic. Nice. Yes. Red meat. Um, And in particular, a World Health Organization study that found that um, all the delicious foods on Earth, like bacon and sausage, uh, basically have the same like carcinogenic qualities as cigarettes, although in much lower doses. Uh, How is this news sitting in Texas and in particular with our... uh, Ag commissioner who who does believe in climate change. 
<laughs> he basically said nothing to see here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. yeah. No science. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating like a, a campaign fundraising email from him that says, first they came for our cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. Now they're now coming they for our beef. And our deep fryers <laughs> yes. schools. Right. Yeah, so. Now they want our red meat. I, I mean, you think, I mean, we can poke fun, but I mean, Texas is the largest producer, I mean, the cattle producer in the country. I mean, it's it's a, I mean, it's millions, if not billions Humongous of dollars every industry. year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wrote a story today on cattle theft that's just still on the rise. And that's, I mean, it's a $5 million Only uh, in dent. Texas. Yeah, exactly. Cattle I mean, theft. So, still a I mean, thing. But... I, you know, you see people on Facebook saying, yeah, this is not anything, this is not new news. You know, people should limit how much red meat and stuff they take. So, but I, it's kind of fun to talk about, you know, especially <laughs> when you get the Sid Miller involved. And, <laughs> yeah, well, and, I mean, what did he say? He said basically, you know, that this is just yet another example of politicized science. Well, the, it's the World Health Organization that came out with this, right? When you actually read what they announced, they did terrible communications on this because it isn't that. A lot of people interpreted it as, you know, bacon is as bad as smoking. But all it is is that we are as confident that smoking can lead to an increase in cancer as we are of red meat, processed red meat, but not the same degree. Right. You'd have to eat like mountains yeah. of it. <laughs> which Well, I mean, and is processed possible. meat is worse than red meat, apparently. That, that, right. I, I was reading this last night over the dinner table <laughs> with, with, a, big, what were you with a big bucket of like tofu in the middle of the table. My, my daughter's a vegetarian, so... Um, but I, I, I've, I'm a little depressed about this, to be honest with you, because I, I love bacon on my tacos and right. anyway. But you'd have to eat it like every, I don't know. The biggest indication for me was like the moment you get pregnant, they basically tell you, all right, all those other things they tell you not to do, you really don't have to worry about those, but don't eat processed meat. <laughs> really? That's what yeah. they said? Yeah, really? like, but no that's more for meat. bacteria, right? It's, yeah, but you know, you got to think if they're telling you in this condition mm-hmm. not to eat processed <laughs> right. meats that like there must be some reason it's mm-hmm. not good for anybody. But yeah. how much, like, how much, do you have to eat, like, a bacon-wrapped hot dog for breakfast and then have, like, a quarter-pound <laughs> cheeseburger for lunch and then, like, an eight-ounce ribeye at dinner for, like, every day of the week oh, for this to be like an issue? Sounds like my diet. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be my diet. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like, like, dried sausage because, like, you know, my wife is from France, and so she, she was scoffing at the notion <laughs> that dried sausage could somehow be bad for you. <laughs> Although, like, American processed ham is. So. Well, we need to just get your wife and Sid Miller together at the next right. dinner party. And oh, my God. That them, would be fun. Have I, I would pay to see that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. The accent's flying around that, yeah. you know, that conversation. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, finally, I want to talk for a few minutes about the latest in the uh, paid to prosecute saga. That's the joint Texas Tribune Austin American Statesman project on a um, pretty um, warm and, and cozy financial relationship between the Travis County DA's office and Texas Mutual Insurance. Uh, first off, Jay, just sort of remind us about this controversy and why it's important before you tell us the latest. So basically for the last 15 years, the Travis County District Attorney's Office has been under contract with uh, an insurance company, um, Texas Mutual Insurance, um, and um, they, they pay to prosecute, basically. They pay the Travis County DA's office to prosecute their fraud cases. Um, this, so we wrote about this in a big series along with the Austin American Statesman. Our and there were some immediate effects, obviously, to that reporting. Right. Well, the, it sparked a lot of concern among elected officials who actually didn't even know this was going on, including Gary Cobb, who is the heir apparent to become DA, apparently. Um, and uh, so the latest twist in this is that so we, we requested when we started writing about this, in the summer, we requested a bunch of documents under the 
Public Information Act, and um, they tried to block us, basically. Well, they did block us. They, they went to the AG's office, and, uh, and the AG's office said, you have to turn this stuff over. Uh, and they went to, they have gone to court, have since gone to court to keep us from getting these records, including first e- time Ken Paxton's office ruled in the Texas Tribune's favor. Although I have to say, <laughs> I have to say Kim Paxton's office has been, has, has put out a, a several rulings here recently mm-hmm. that have been on the side of open government mm-hmm. and including two that I'm working, this one and another one that I'm working on. So, um, after All having, right. I, I used to be able to paper my walls or the rejections. Now I got a, a couple of. Uh, you know, I'm getting some open government here, and I'm some liking positive it. feedback. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, the latest twist is that uh, Rosemary Lindbergh, the DA of Travis County, decided that even though she's suing to block these records, she's going to she was going to give us some of them, and she did give us some of them, and that's what we wrote about recently. And what we found in these emails, which were related to the contract negotiations, is that. You know, while publicly they say this is a good thing because fraud is bad and it makes everybody's rates go up, behind the scenes when they're talking among themselves about how to basically get more money out of Texas Mutual because their budget was going up, they were saying, you know, hey, make sure you tell them how how good we're doing in terms of collections and, and getting restitution to the company. Um, and it also it's generating good publicity. And so that just fuels the concerns of the critics of this because they're saying, you know, you're basically using this as a collection. You're using a criminal uh, your prosecutors to uh, collect money that you w- might not be able to get otherwise um, and, and generate publicity for a private company, which, um, you know, critics don't think that's a very good thing. So yeah. that's the latest twist. Good deal. All right. Well, if you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. You can also now sign up for Tribcast alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Aman, Julian, Jay, and our producer, Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. I think I had a Texas accent either. Oh, Jay. Exactly. (laughs) I really did. (laughs)